Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. we got a pretty small crew today. Uh, Bait is working on a paper for school. He's got his priorities straight, and I believe Libby wasn't feeling well and, and decided to lay down. So it's just the uh, the original three here. But uh, yeah, so this is episode 145. We're getting up there. Uh, fun fact, the number 145 is a Leyland number, and a Leyland number is a number that is the sum of two integers raised to the power of each other. So that is x to the y plus y to the x. In this case, 145 is 3 to the fourth power plus 4 to the third power. So there's your, your fun fact of, of math today. But let's go into some introductions, and then we'll get going with the show. So starting at the top of the list with Sarai Hi, I'm Sarai I'm a co-host here on the show. I um, play mostly uh, a lot of Blizzard games. Um, and I continue to strive for uh, the ultimate space simulation game, but have yet to find it. All right, Jay. Ooh, hey, this is Jay. Uh, again, one of the uh, OG crew here at Biomast, and I've been ducking around with quite a few games here that uh, that we'll chat about later tonight. And I will challenge challenge you uh, in, in your 145 fun fact in that that's not fun because that's math. And <laughs> oh, I would... Oh. Uh, Oh, I, w I will have to say, though, I'll have to dig deep into my life. Bait would appreciate this, by the way. Uh, 145 is the title of a uh, of a jazz song by a uh, an Australian jazz band called Cat Empire. It's actually pretty legit. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I can't compete with that. But uh, I'm I'm Pokey Draven. I'm obviously uh, help host the show here. Um, I write to the blog and all that good stuff. So I've been playing, uh, as usual, Final Fantasy XIV, going into a new update this week. So I'm pretty excited for that. And uh, I did check out uh, the Ghost Recon Wildlands beta. So we'll talk about that later with Jay. But uh, moving along with our actual topics here, uh, Jay, we're going to some film and entertainment news. So. Tell us a bit about uh, the Nightwing movie that's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. So, over the weekend, one of the things that was uh, that was recent that was announced has been in a lot of different uh, publications. But Chris McKay, he's the uh, director for the Lego Batman movie. He's going to be directing, and I think it looks like they've already started some initial pre-production stuff for a Nightwing live-action movie. So, Nightwing is sort of the grown-up version of Robin, the original Robin, Dick Grayson of uh, Batman and Robin fame. And he's a very, very well-known and and much loved character in the DC universe. Uh, it's they did a lot with it, uh, his character over the years, and it's pretty interesting because it's it's one of those that they've they've kind of been wanting to do this for a long time because Batman's been around, and and he's not like a junior Batman. That's that's very much not his style. He's actually uh, a in some ways uh, more street level if you will uh even more than batman uh but he's got a much different personality than bruce wayne obviously so it's pretty it's pretty interesting and it gives you a broad range of uh different characters that you can deal with in the dc universe now the the one of the interesting things is nightwing has been teased a couple times in the cw uh dc uh dc tv universe shows like specifically the flash um he was also. They've also mentioned uh, the town Bloodhaven. It's like a, it's kind of like a suburb or like a partner city to Gotham. Uh, it's sort of like the the New Jersey to New York, if you will. Uh, that was teased in an Arrow a couple times. Uh, so the the names right now that I'm tracking that are associated with it, uh, Jared Padalecki he plays one of the Winchester brothers on uh, the Supernatural, the long running Supernatural uh, TV show. Uh, the the big the the tall brother, if you will, with the longer hair, he's the he is publicly campaigning right now to play Nightwing. So, should be kind of interesting. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that'll be an interesting take because we've we've obviously had a lot of a lot of Batman stuff lately. But I think that uh, as you said, the Nightwing character brings a, a quite a bit of different perspective to you know that that role and in that kind of that universe there because you've got. You know, Bruce Wayne came from obviously being very rich, where um, Dick Tracy was, you know, an orphan. He was on the streets. He Dick was, Grayson. Dick Grayson, I'm sorry. Christ. No, you're going to get into that one. Um, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's um, it should be interesting to kind of see how they, they play that, because there's a lot of, you know, compare and contrast they can do. And, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm actually surprised it took them this long to actually go ahead and, and do one of these. I figured it would have happened several years ago with, you know, kind of the advent of all the Batman stuff. Yeah, no, well, the thing is, it, it's been rumored quite a few times as a TV project, because if you think about it, it's probably, it, it would be 
significantly easier to do. Uh, it's def it would definitely be something that would fit sort of in the current mode of sort of those CW uh, DC TV shows. Um, the last thing I kind of I'll kind of throw this out there: if you've seen the Batman Superman movie. Uh, I, I think most people would generally agree that Ben Affleck's Batman and how that was characterized, other than the inordinate amount of killing that he did, uh, was probably one of the better movie takes generally on sort of the Batman mythos. And it kind of alludes to some bad things happening to to a Robin. Now, Batman's had several uh, Robins over the years. Uh, so it'd be kind of interesting to see how that kind of worked out. Uh, but what what does make this interesting and a neat tie back is one of the consistent villains, or at least a cons consistent antagonist that Nightwing's faced off against, is the character Deathstroke, who apparently is going to be the lead villain or bad guy that Batman contends with in the upcoming Batman solo movie. That uh, and I think Joe Manganiello, uh, really actually really good actor, been in True Blood and several other things. He's going to play uh, the iconic sort of villain Deathstroke, who basically is you know lack of a better term if the u.s military wanted to create somebody you know some people like batman they would get a guy like deathstroke is sort of the best way i could kind of describe it uh, he's very much a match for batman but he's contended with nightwing quite a few times in the comics over the years so you could see a, an interest that might be an interesting way to either get him into the dc movie universe uh to lead into his movie or to help uh sort of pump his movie up you know, or, you know, like give it some press uh, if he appears in, in either one of, in both of those, if you will. That's pretty cool. So do we know if he, if this, this film is going to be officially kind of part of the new um, Ben Affleck Batman series? Like, is this going to be in that same um, timeline, so to speak, or is it going to be its own separate thing? Do you think that, well, that is not as clear. Uh, so it, it does not, it does not describe that, but my my assumption would be, since it will be a live action movie, uh, that they will not have a uh, like. I, I wouldn't imagine Marvel having a standalone set of Marvel characters in movies outside of their that kind of parallel Sony universe thing. That's which is a whole different entity. But these are all characters that that are fall under the Warner Brothers sort of. You, rubric so i can't i cannot imagine a scenario where they would take nightwing and not have him associated in that world even if it was ben affleck only perhaps being mentioned like his version of batman being mentioned or even a, a like a you know short walk on or a cameo so to speak uh, of of him in there so i would assume it is part of the dc movie universe but it, i don't know that it explicitly says that well oh. have you uh just this is a little aside, but have you heard the rumors that Ben Affleck may be trying to get out of doing the whole Batman thing? Yeah, well, I I did, uh, but what it I think a lot of it what it came down to was it was a bit conflated with his desire to maybe not direct it. He wanted to be involved in the production of it, and so they gave him the directorial tag. Uh, and and if you think about it, if you are going to play Batman, and so there's the there's the acting component, and then there's the physical preparation that you have to do for that role. And then there's all of the production activities and the directing activities. I, I think, you know, Ben Affleck's, you know, he's a pretty talented filmmaker, a little inconsistent here and there with what, what you know, kind of the, the critical success. But when he's on, he's on. Uh, and I think he realizes that trying to be Batman do all of the overarching production stuff uh, w was just going to be too much. Uh, so, and I, I think as much as he was displeased with the product of Batman Superman, I think the fact that many people or I, I'm not going to say uniformly, but I say most people really enjoyed his take on Batman. I think, uh, I think there's no way he was going to get out. He was going to walk away from playing an, a Batman solo game. But it, I think the pressure was was getting pretty high on him, particularly because he you got to remember he just had kind of a love project that he'd been working on personally for two or three several years actually, but two or three last two or three years that movie comes out does not do well, and the only thing that anybody wants to talk to him about during his uh, publicity stuff for for the movie Live by Night was what he's doing for Batman, and, and he he basically got frustrated with it, it and that's that's my opinion. That seems pretty reasonable. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of where that that goes, and especially with you know this Nightwing stuff going on, it's going to be pretty cool. I think to see how it all plays out and how they tie things together. So, uh, moving along, 
let's talk about uh, X-Men or specifically Hugh Jackman with Wolverine. What's going on with that? Okay. So as everybody knows, Ryan Reynolds has been lobbying very hard for Hugh Jackman to uh, make some formal, formal type of appearance in a Deadpool flick. And Jackman and, and Reynolds apparently get on quite well, and they they and Jackman actively supported and furthered sort of that social media uh, blitz that they made, which in my opinion was genius, and that really made Deadpool penetrate the market last year or year before last, rather. So, uh, been a little bit of discussion about that. Hey, would he be willing to come back for Deadpool two? He too, and he basically said no. But later on, and there was a very interesting, interesting part of the part of the interview. Um, it, it basically came out that he's like, I, I would the only he said, the only condition that I would be willing to come back to Wolverine in is if it was part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Which suddenly you get, I mean, you got to. I, I he, he's a pretty smart guy, and he's very good at getting things moving in the right way uh, in terms of what he wants to do with those kind of characters. And I think if that was dangled out there of like, how do you finally get Sony and Marvel to like, you know, connect like Voltron and make like a, like a serious movie, <laughs> you, you could, that would be one of the ways to do it would be to get uh, a few very select X-Men type characters, AKA Wolverine to be part of the, you know, like e- even tangentially as part of a, uh, like an Avengers movie. And there's been a lot of storied and kind of epic Avengers versus X-Men type, type events in the comics over the years. So like I said, he doesn't do a lot of like throwaway flippant lines, uh, like that. So that probably is legitimate. He would consider it. He didn't say he would do it. He said he would consider it. And I think that's one that any actor would have to consider just based on the, the sheer paycheck probably involved in it. Uh, on a side note, uh, the, uh, uh, gosh, professor X, I'm totally drunk. Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart. I, before Zell killed me, the, uh, Patrick Stewart has very definitively said that he will no longer appear as professor X. He, it was a very, actually a really neat vignette. I think in, uh, you mentioned it earlier when we we're talking off the air pokey. Uh, basically, Hugh Jackman, Patrick Stewart, and I think one other person were screening the movie in Europe, like in a private screening, and they they were both uh, fairly emotional about it. And Patrick Stewart basically said, "I I don't I mean something to the effect that I don't think I can do this again. I don't think I can do it any better than than we just did it right there." And he, he pretty and like shortly shortly thereafter, he very publicly announced that he would no longer appear as Professor X. Uh, I've also been picking up quite a bit of interesting mainstream movie buzz about uh, Logan. And and it's an interesting take that uh, I've seen several places where there's a variation on the comment. This has got, this is the the type of movie that you might expect a best actor, best director, or a couple, you know, Oscar worthy type, type nods towards. And you hear this, but it's a superhero movie kind of comment. And uh, one of the best, one of the interesting things I I heard from somebody is like, if you, took all of the science fiction elements out and just just either cut them out of the movie or changed them slightly. Just the the work that Patrick Stewart and uh, and Hugh Jackman do in the movie is phenomenal. And said so everybody delivered very there is like no there's no paper mache characters anywhere in this movie at all. Uh, they said it's it's quite good. It's it is very violent and it is, you know, it, it is all of those things, but the, uh, apparently the performances were absolutely lights out. Yeah, I'm I'm really hyped for that one. That's uh, that's definitely my to do list this week coming up March third. Um, but yeah, it, it just everything leading up to this looks absolutely fantastic, and I, I really do hope that they can really hit it out of the park. And I, I think it is best that when you you kind of reach that point, you're like, yeah, this this character is is good as it's going to get. I don't want to continue to milk it too long, which I, I think might have been perhaps some of. Um, Hugh Jackman's reluctance in some of the, the further Wolverine movies. It's like, I don't really want to ruin it. You know, I want to kind of go out with a bang and then this is, this is as good as it's going to get. And same thing with Patrick Stewart. So I, I, I do hope that Logan can kind of bring those, 
stories and those characters to a, a neat close and in really end on a really high note. So looking forward to, to Logan coming out later this week. Yep. Uh, in other news, though, uh, unfortunately, um, and NJ might want to elaborate more on this since he brought it up, but uh, Bill Paxton, um, is a pretty famous actor, passed away yesterday at the age of 61. you want to kind of go over uh, that for a little bit? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll just mention this very briefly. Uh, but Bill Paxton, he's he's a, an incredibly well-known character actor in most of the movies that, that we've watched or grown up. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you know, I guarantee you, you, you'll, if you do not know the name Bill Paxton, if you Googled him, you would know him immediately. He played uh, the iconic character of Hudson in Aliens, the infamous Game Over Man line. That all came from him. Uh, was in Twister, was in uh, Terminator, uh, believe it or not. Uh, he was one of the original uh, street punks that confronted Arnie. Uh, he was in, in almost anything James Cameron has done, he has appeared in. He's in a very accomplished director and producer in his own right. Uh, done quite a few very very serious uh, directorial like uh, you know avenues, uh, just a, a variety, a really really well liked and uh, very talented guy. But again, made famous by quite a few appearances in uh, action movies and and uh, science fiction movies. Generally, as like a B level character. And and if my if my understanding is correct, he's the only person that can lay claim to the fame that he's been killed by aliens, terminators, and predators. Uh, if that makes sense. So, uh, condolences to the Paxton family, and uh, he he has a uh, a huge uh, a huge filmography. I really encourage people to check that out on IMDb or uh, or Wikipedia. You know, Apollo thirteen comes to mind. He's, the guy's been in almost everything, uh, and really really good actor. It's it's kind of a shame. Apparently, he passed away from complications from a surgery that he recently had. I, I don't I don't really know any more than that, but uh, he will be missed. Yeah, it's it's a real shame, and it is it's unfortunate, especially for such a, uh, a well known and, and beloved actor. Uh, but moving along to a bit brighter things, uh, so Zell's going to update us a bit about what's going on with the Gear VR and some wireless controls that are coming out. So take it away, Zell. Yeah. Um. So uh, Samsung just kind of teased this. They haven't really gone into too much detail. They mentioned, uh, you know, the Galaxy S8, which hopefully will not explode. Um, uh, new Galaxy tabs, and then uh, the this they didn't really call it the Gear VR two, but they're I saw it listed as just the 2017 Gear VR. Um, it's supposed to have a wireless controller like the uh, Google Daydream, so there will no longer be these uh, you know controllerless uh, game experiences here, and and presumably um, you know. Games like Gunjack 2, which are built to to rely on that, will work, and maybe maybe even pushing towards some of the desktop games that uh, obviously require more sophisticated controls than uh, what the original Gear VR could provide. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty good thing to include. I mean, the the controls for the original Gear VR were obviously mounted to the side of the headset, and it was it was workable. I mean, it wasn't. I, I wouldn't say it was it was kind of awkward, but it, it worked, you know. Um, but I think this is a pretty straightforward approach. I mean, there was a lot of third-party uh, controllers that came out, and, and none of them really worked. Oh my god! Ter- oh, none of them worked terribly well. That, uh, but this we could actually have like officially supported hardware to uh, for people to pick up and, and be able to probably enjoy those games a little bit better because they won't be holding the side of their head with their hands while they play. Uh, but yeah, moving along to some other VR-related news. So uh, a couple of we talked about the um, lawsuit between ZeniMax and Oculus Rift uh, that ultimately ended in $500 million being awarded to ZeniMax over uh, a violation in an uh, NDA. Basically, Oculus had used some copywritten code that belonged to ZeniMax in the production of the Rift and some other products, and, and ZeniMax sued for, for damages, basically. Uh, ZeniMax has now filed for an injunction against all Oculus sales. So basically anything that uses the this code, um, they're, they're filing for it to be, you know, you, you, they can't sell, they can't distribute or anything like that. So uh, ZeniMax kind of pushing full forward with this one, trying to kind of lock down Oculus and, and, you know, it's all part of this, this uh, lawsuit, so to speak for, um, you know, them using that code. So that's kind of a, an interesting development. We'll see kind of where that goes moving forward, but uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting, particularly with so many other uh, VR headsets out there. Oculus is just not the best thing for them necessarily, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how it plays out and then what the court probably decides on that. And the interesting thing is, is this affects, um, you know, this this potentially does affect the Gear VR as well, which is also, you know, built on Oculus technology. So 
um, mm-hmm. depending what code specifically is in there. Um, it's actually there's been a lot of cases lately coming up of uh, hijinks regarding people who moved employers and stuff in Silicon Valley and some of the resources they took with them. Um, Google actually just sued Uber this last week. Um, and I think Tesla is suing another self-driving car company as well. And, and it, it almost always involves someone moving from one company to another and taking some code with them um, or plans or whatever. Yeah, fun, fun corporate political stuff. So, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, yeah, it, it is kind of been a problem lately. I, I would reference all of you to the uh, to the games uh the Shadowrun games, that, the little isometrical RPGs that, that we've touted on the show a few times, which many of which the missions involve, like swiping some dude that works in one corporation so that he can go work for another and deliver said said famous code that he is bringing to the new uh, to the new employer. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good point. I actually picked up that uh, the um, the humble bundle that had Shadowrun for mobile device. I picked that up and installed it. Was kind of messing around with it earlier today. It was, uh, it was oh, pretty cool. interesting. Yeah, it actually plays pretty well on tablets. Uh, it's a lot of those little, old isometric RPGs, which many of us kind of that's what you grew up on. If you wanted to play a digital RPG, they uh, quite a few of them are actually on tablets now, and and they run generally run pretty good. I, pl- I played Kotor on it. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic played that on my iPad. It actually it's, it's pretty solid. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I think I might try moving it to my tablet just because the the text is really hard to read on a phone. It's just the screen's not big enough and it doesn't really scale properly. But uh, it, it was running well. I just had to squint a lot. But uh, yeah, that was good stuff. Uh, but yeah, so before I get too derailed here, um, one thing I did want to bring up that did happen this week, and I don't I. Kind of want to talk about so people aren't freaking out too much. Uh, Eve Online received a patch um, as per a request from a lot of players on the Eve Online forums. And essentially what's happened is that they have now filtered out um, Dust Mercenary character profiles from the search engine. Basically the problem was people were searching and they were getting, you know, their... As you know, Dust characters were stored the same way the Eve characters were on the server. And uh, they were searching and getting a lot of search results full of, of Dust characters. Um, and the Eve pilots were understandably kind of annoyed by this since Dust is obviously no longer running. Uh, and so they asked that CCP remove uh, those search results from the game. So that's what that patch was. Uh, to clarify, though, the character data has not been deleted. It just isn't showing up. It's kind of going through a filter on the back end that's just turned on to not display those types of characters. But the data is still there. So don't freak out. Don't think your character is gone. Um, CCP has even publicly stated that they have no intention of deleting characters. There's no plan for that at all. Uh, so don't don't worry. Your name is still intact for whatever may come in the future. That that data is still there and is still reserved. Um, there are a few ways. If you for whatever reason need to get into your uh, Dust character's profile, you can actually send an email to that person and then click on the name, and that will allow you to pull up the profile because it obviously wouldn't show up in a normal search result. But uh, yeah, I just kind of wanted to clarify that. There was some confusion going around. People thought that the characters were deleted. That's not the case. They're just being filtered out. It's still on the server. You just can't easily access it anymore um, for good reason. I think it's a pretty reasonable change for a, a game that's obviously still running and not wanting to see assets and characters from a game that's no longer running. So I, I think that's that's probably a, a fair change for the E players. Uh, but yeah, so moving along to other space simulator-related news, Zell, what's going on with Star Citizen's ever-growing appetite for more funding? Uh, we have, uh, they've announced another ship. Um, it is a uh, Anvil fighter, so as being a fighter, it's not going to take them a long time to uh, finish building it. Um, you know, it's a, you know, kind of the standard single-seat uh, flavor. Um, and, uh, it, apparently, they have crossed the $144 million uh, mark uh, with the announcement of the ship. So, um, you know, about as many million dollars as we have episodes of our show. <laughs> Jesus. Which uh, which could have been my, my joke for, for this episode, but oh well. That, that's true. Uh, any any new updates on, on how the development is going? Anything that they've, they've added? Or is it just kind of this new ship thing that's going on? Um. Th- just this right now, I mean, as I said, they, they released uh, 2.6.1 uh, a week or two ago. So their uh, next thing, I think, is is just uh, going hard at the 3.0 release, which is coming uh, down the line and is going to include things like uh, planetary landing and, and uh, stuff like that. And I think they're going to expand out from, like, the one planet 
that they're currently uh, floating around to the entire star system in that patch. Now, just as a general scope for that game, are they... I mean, I know it's, it's supposed to be a persistent universe. Now, when you say the star system, is that meant to be kind of the whole universe as the single star system? Or is it like No Man's Sky level of a bazillion planets that it's, are all it's generated? Not, it's definitely not 18 quintillion planets. Um, it is supposed to be several star systems, at least. Um, but uh, they have not, you know, right now they just have like a planet and it's kind of realm of moons. And then they're going to expand out to uh, the rest of that system, and then uh, in the future after that they will add more star systems. Wow, that, that sounds almost reasonable in terms of scope. It's, it's, it's very unlike them. But uh, that, that, that should be interesting. I'll, I'll be kind of curious to see how that planetary stuff pans out, particularly since they've already got their, uh, their uh, FPS module running. I'd be curious to see how they actually uh, integrate all of that together and in, in, in that sort of thing. So that'll be, it'll be cool to, to see how they develop that further. Uh, in other news, uh, so Overwatch has been making a lot of noise about the new hero that's coming out. They they kind of Blizzard likes to kind of release these sort of news releases, these little mini stories, little mini novellas, so to speak, of uh, you know stuff that's going on in the actual you know, Overwatch universe. And they they like to pepper in hints of, of various things. And there's been some interesting stuff going on in regards to what people believe are, are hints at the 24th hero that's being added to the game. So. Uh, Zell, you probably know more about this than I do. What what exactly have they been showing, and, and what are your thoughts on what this hero might be? Well, I guess the the first one that they have uh, coming up is supposed to be called uh, Ancora, which is like a, a quadruped spider mech hero thing. Um, and uh, and then the second one that's supposed to be coming that's actually been rumored about longer is um called doomfist and it's uh there's there's been a long-standing uh suggestion slash request that it be voiced by terry cruz that's the old spice guy if you're not familiar a true legend i i think it could actually be pretty funny if they actually make the doomfist character pretty much a carbon copy of the old spice character it would be it'd be pretty funny i think there's actually a pretty good backstory to him there there's reportedly been multiple doomfists and like there's been at least two and uh the the assumption is that the one that uh that that will be unveiled which is for where that's actually why i think the art, artwork is depicting uh will be a third one will be a something entirely new and apparently he's been the the name doofence is both associated with uh both the hero and a villain so and that, that kind of goes back into the story there's been more than one uh interesting if you remember kind of i think it's the first animated short that came out that featured uh tracer and winston in a big, big museum fighting that was um, a the fist, yeah. Yeah, that was the that was the doom fist that they were fighting over uh, with Reaper and uh, Widowmaker, and the, the one the little kid put on and like smashed somebody with. So, and that's also one of the things that you fight. It's one of the quote unquote special packages that you fight over in the game, and then Bonnie. So, I'm me personally. I'm vote. I'm thinking it's Doom Fist uh, since they've been messing around with that one for a while. It also go ahead, Joel. Sorry. the The rumor I heard was that Ankara was supposed to be first, and then Doomfist was after that. But you know, who knows? I mean, they're not exactly. Um, uh, it's it, Overwatch releases are much slower than something like Heroes of the Storm that puts out a new hero every uh, six weeks. Every six weeks, really? Wow, that's here, that's here, quick. Yeah, Heroes of the Storm does that. Overwatch, it's several months. We've had like total of two added since uh, since the game started so far so well and i mean that's that's kind of fair though i think that you know blizzard really tries to take the the lore in the world of, of overwatch pretty seriously and they like to craft a, a meaningful backstory and interaction with other characters and that sort of thing and you know that that takes time obviously you kind of have to, to figure out how you're going to work it in and, and make sure it kind of makes sense in the the current place of the narrative and where the game is going and stuff whereas heroes of the storm you're you're basically just you know Taking or characters that are pre-existing from other games and, and putting them in, so I can kind of see why that that turnaround is is a bit faster. But still, that's 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 pretty cool. I didn't realize they were updating that that much. Alrighty, so let's move on to uh, some some game deals here. So I, I did just happen to notice something that caught my eye because it actually is a pretty good deal. Uh, if you are familiar with the Civilization series, and that's kind of the turn-based strategy. Um, 
game where you you have like a a city state and you kind of build it up and there's tech trees and you expand across the map and you fight other you know states or countries or whatever um and it, it's it's very popular it's been going on for for very long time uh over at humble bundle that's the that's kind of the, the place where you can set your own price for for buying stuff um and a, a large portion of it goes to charity uh they have a civilization bundle going on right now so if you pay more than one dollar you get civilization three and four if you pay more than the current average which at the time of writing my notes was 876 it might be a bit higher by the time you listen to this um you get Civilization Five plus all the DLC, and then a coupon uh, for either Civilization Six or Civilization uh, Six Digital Deluxe Edition. It's twenty percent off for the normal version, twenty five percent off for the uh, deluxe version. I think those are sixty and eighty dollars, respectfully. Um, and that's available through the Humble Bundle store. And then if you pay fifteen dollars or more, you get you know everything before that, as well as Civilization Beyond Earth plus all of that DLC. And that's kind of the uh, more space themed one, whereas the others are more you know historically based. This is more of a you know far future. You know, you're expanding out over across the the universe and that sort of thing. So, uh, and that's if you pay fifteen dollars or more. So go check that out. We'll get a link in the description for the video um, and on the website as well. And uh, it, it's 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 pretty. Good. Good. Every once in a while, Humble Bundle has some some pretty good stuff. It's not quite as good as it used to be, I think. Uh, they kind of changed how they, they structure a lot of their stuff. But uh, this is a, a pretty good deal that caught my eye. So definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of that style of game. All right. So we also had some some new things that Zell dug up in his ever everlasting quest for a, a perfect space simulator, as he said at the beginning of the show. Uh, and I did kind of check this out, and it's kind of interesting. It's kind of in line with a lot of... Uh, other games that I've I've been seeing pop up lately, but this is certainly the first in this type of setting. So, tell us a bit about uh, Hellion and what's going on with that. So, um, it seems to be in in very much in line with as as you said the games that you've been playing the uh, survival type games. Um, you know, you're they're supposed to spawn you with not a whole lot of resources, and you actually have to be worried about your your air and your food. Um, and uh, you know, but it it also has a lot, a surprisingly large amount of things uh, in common with Star Citizen. Um, it is a game where you can, you know, e effortlessly transition in and out of ships without uh, any sort of loading screens or anything like that. You you know, you exist in the world all all the time. Um, it has um, weightless combat is a is a game mechanic in there. Um, and and there's stuff like that that really is appealing to that crowd. Hmm. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting is um, they have a gameplay video and they're showing that, uh, you know, I like when I checked on your stream for what was that game you had? Uh, you had like a pit of spikes you were going in your uh, little fort. Seven Days to Die. That's the zombie survival okay. game. All right. So um, you can actually like build up a uh, you can actually build up a space station and you can actually manipulate like they, they have space station modules you know, rooms and connectors and stuff like that. And you can literally like EVA out to a little control panel to push their thrusters around and dock them together and, and build up a, a pretty, pretty decent fort. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was kind of interesting. Like, like you said, it's, it's a survival game. You kind of wake up out of a cryopod. Um, and then there's, there's different duties that each person kind of has to fulfill that, you know, kind of helps get you where you have to go. So like in the, the example they were showing, it was kind of neat where they needed to kind of EVA to a nearby space station to get supplies but they were saying that your spacesuit's got its own air supply and its own like jet fuel supply, and that they actually had to move the ship they woke up on closer because they wouldn't have made it, you know, uh, off of the remaining fuel they had left in the suits, and they had to replenish that and all that sort of stuff. And they were talking about how like um, if you don't properly maintain like a power power source in your ship, you'll lose gravity in certain sections. Uh, if you don't depressurize the airlock um, and cycle the airlock properly, that you can. <coughs> Sure, you pull the handle, but it'll blow you out into space, and you'll be spinning around. You have to spend fuel to stabilize yourself, and and it kind of has this sense of like you can do things, but if you're not going to do it right, uh, there's there's pretty pretty dire consequences you have to deal with. And so I think that that's always kind of fun in survival games, especially if it's not very well explained and you're kind of dumped into the world without much instruction. It it, it can be kind of fun to fumble around trying to figure out like, oh, I guess we all died again. Um, you know, and start over. And I think that can be fun for, for that style of game. You see games like um, Seven Days to Die is is 
very low on how much they explain to you. You kind of have to figure it out. Uh, my brother's currently playing Ark Survival Evolved that recently ported to uh, PS4, and that's extremely light on the explanation. You, you kind of have to figure it out as you go. And this kind of seems uh, a bit along the same lines, where it's like you can you can really easily screw yourself up. It's not going to hold your hand, but uh, it does give you a lot of freedom of what you can do, and, and it looks interesting. I, I think I might uh, take a little bit closer look at it, look at some more gameplay videos online, and, and see. But it looks like it's currently in early access on Steam uh, for twenty five bucks. It looks like. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that just it literally just came out like on uh, the twenty fourth, so it, it's very very new. And yep. uh, much like uh, much like Star Citizen, it is uh, unfinished, and it is apparently allegedly very buggy. Like many games nowadays. Um, I actually, I have a general question. I've been kind of thinking about this for a while because there is a definitely a uh, a growing layer of these sort of uh, survival MMOs that have been out for a while. I have played none of them, uh, not because I'm not interested. I, I occasionally will see them, and uh, I'm interested in getting into them, but what I'm kind of curious about is how fast you progress. Because usually what I see is the classic, you know, sort of the naked and afraid, like you start off with like nothing, literally, and then you somehow make your way through uh, the initial stages of getting killed a lot of times. And then suddenly you're walking around with ray guns and like riding dinosaurs and flying through the air and stuff like that. So that leads me to believe that the progression system is pretty... um, is is fairly robust uh, to get you out of the, you know, I'm I'm playing a Discovery Channel, you know, reality show game, you know, on my console or PC for too long. Does that sound about right, guys? Uh, that was one of my primary complaints of Seven Days to Die, which is very fixated on crafting and particularly base building. And we go in with like four guys, and once you get kind of the hang of what you're doing, you can make a base, which is basically very very end game within the first week and it it, it kind of breaks everything where it's like uh nothing can really hurt us and, and I, that's where i lost interest the developers have, have uh, admittedly taken steps to try to you know make some of the tactics that people are using less effective so it's harder to to get to that point uh but that that is an issue that i have found with some of these these um survival games is that this the scaling knowledge is a little too powerful so to speak where it's almost like once you know what you're doing it's it's really easy to kind of become overpowered uh and so you you are correct in your assessment that 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 can be problematic and, and kind of make the game boring once you get a little too good at it yeah now like i said I, i've always been kind of interested in them uh because i like the premise of it but you know the reality is like if you for a game it you're it, it's 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 only so so uh, so challenging to try to figure out how to produce potable water, you know, for so long. It, and uh, it it does seem like this starts um, you further along than that because you are in space. So they it, it looked like their their goal was to start like you and your friends on a spaceship. So you know you have a spaceship. To- no, well that's fair, and I, I will say this though I kind of like the premise of this in that it gives you. Like you're right, you start off obviously kind of further in your developmental cycle, but in a weird way that can give you a whole lot of options because off the top of my head, I'm thinking any number of the different space disaster movies like that, those, those like lend themselves to like uh, creative problem solving in terms of what you can do in a game, provided that the game itself is is truly built around optimizing that sort of experience and then punctuating with, you know, really neat, kind of iconic moments yeah and i think that that's and you actually kind of raise, raise a good point there i think that you know especially with these kinds of games and you'll often see sometimes in um, turn-based strategy games like civilization for example where you get to a point where your victory is basically assured and all the challenge is gone and it's basically just kind of grind out to the end if there is one uh and i think that actually a good way to and i'd like to see this more in, in, in games like this is you almost need events that are kind of unfair that once you get to that point stuff can happen that basically throws all of your plans out of whack you know environmental effects stuff like that where you know like hey suddenly your you know engine just explodes and now you're you're kind of screwed and you have to figure out how to deal with it i I wish that these kinds of games kind of implement more stuff that, that you is unpredictable once you reach that point of victory is assured because I have everything I need the means to get anything else I might. Uh, I, I think it could be kind of fun to, to kind of, as you said, 
add some some moments that are that are notable where it's like oh wow okay this changes everything now um i think that could be exciting i'd like to see more of that in in games and i do hope that as these these survival type games kind of evolve over time that they developers aren't so afraid to add elements that might upset players i mean you don't want to do early on but i think in late game it can add a lot of um variety and challenge to the game if you start doing things that are kind of breaking the rules of the game so to speak all right so uh we tried a beta jay and i this this weekend and i i think jay played it on ps4 and i played it on pc along with uh, Livy and a friend of mine but ghost recon wildlands and this is the the tom clancy game that we have talked about for for quite a while we, we weren't able to get into the closed beta but it was open beta this weekend so we gave it a shot so um it's Okay, kind of leave it. Start off with Jay. What were your initial thoughts regarding the game for Ghost Recon? Um, okay, so I I came into this a little bit with uh, with a bit of an open eye because I am a fan of the uh, the Tom Clancy series, if you will, starting back all the way with Rainbow Six. Gosh, like probably before Bait was born, so to speak. So that like that's that's how long I've been playing these these type of games. Uh, and then obviously we're all familiar with Ubisoft and, and the type of products that that, that shop puts out, uh, which are kind of like love them or hate them. Not a lot of in-betweeners on that one. So what I was very conscious of was how much that Wildlands would feel like other recent Ubisoft outings. Uh, and there's some glaring kind of friction points that I don't like in some of those games. So I was a little bit colored by, the, by those two things. Uh, so initial impression... Uh, visually, it is incredibly well done. Uh, probably the most well-rendered, playable environment that uh, that I've seen. I mean, over uh, not Overwatch, dear lord. Um, the division is is really well done, and, and it is of that same vein, at least that level of quality, but in a just a dramatically different sort of uh, sort of environment. So. Visually looks really good. There are a lot of quirks to it that I don't. I don't necessarily think they're quirks. I think they're actual design choices that are baked into the game. So just for reference, I think I've got about maybe eight hours total, or probably more like about seven hours total in the game over a couple of days, um, with a few breaks here and there. So generally, if you want a a really deep tactical game. Uh, that forces you to play with other live players and not play by yourself, this could be a good option for you. There are a lot of things in it in the minute-to-minute gameplay that are really, that are definitely, uh, don't feel like you see another, they they don't have the same feel you get in other games, like a Battlefront or Call of Duty or or even The Division. Um, Just some design choices they made, which actually I think are not bad, and if you go, if you, if you look at it from an aspect of, I think they were trying to add a lot more sort of intuitive movement options and intuitive, intuitive sort of um, tactical options that they, I think they did the right thing, but it, it is atypical of how most games like this play. Now there's a little bit, bit of a GTA feel to it in that it's a huge map. So you're forced to use vehicles. I will tell you there are a couple things that really bothered me, uh, was <laughs> the vehicle. <laughs> so, uh, the fact that you can hijack a vehicle or hop in a vehicle, pretty much anything and either drive it, fly it, float it or whatever is great. The controls on the vehicles and how the vehicles work in particular, uh, helicopters is horrendous, uh, like not good at all but you're forced to use them just to cover the distances on the map, uh, so to speak. Because, again, huge, huge environments, really well done. But you are in Bolivia driving up these Wiley Coyote mountain passes in, in a vehicle. That, and I don't care how I tuned my controller. I, like, these things are a pain in the ass to drive and fly. Uh, so that, that was one of the things. The, the other component is... Again, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. If you want to play with other players that are actually pretty switched on and up for like a you know kind of a tactical shooter chess game, this works really well. If you attempt to play by yourself, or it is not going to be nearly as fun. 
mostly because of the limited capability you have to control your AI partners, which I will say is far less than you had in most previous other Tom Clancy games. The Tom Clancy games were, were previously known for an incredibly deep uh, planning phase of any mission, and you could set waypoints, you could you could operate off of a tactical map, you could do all kind of stuff. Now, there's some cool on-the-fly options that you can have with your AI teammates, you know, in terms of how you sync engage, synchronize engagements, utilizing different drone tools and all this other kind of stuff. It's, it's actually really innovative. Some, I'm going to call it innovative, but it's some really good ideas. And, and they actually play out pretty well. But again, you can absolutely 100% tell that this game is designed to provide a, a tactical shooter experience with other players, like full stop. That's that's what it does, and it does it in a very specific gaming environment. Uh, but that so those are my general opening impressions. Uh, Pokey, what did, what did, what were your I guess your you know, two minute you know thumbnail of what you thought about it? Uh, yeah. So like you, I, I went into it um, not with the expectation that it would be like the division, which is kind of the, the obvious comparison, but just kind of curious on how it would be uh, related to in terms of game design. Um, so obviously it's open world has done quite a bit different. Um, the whole game takes place in, in, in division was arguably open world, but I think this, this is more kind of what you would traditionally expect. Like you said, GTA style, um, you're just running around or, or even Red Dead Redemption is another good example. Um, running around doing missions and, and there's various side missions scattered about and it's kind of a main story plot you follow. So in that regard, it's, it's a pretty generic open world game. It's, it's kind of what you would expect from, from that genre. Um, I'm not personally, I've grown a little tired of, of that format, but I know that a lot of people do like that. Um, and it does, it does do that quite well. Um, that being said, like you said, you, you are very much forced to use vehicles to get around the map, which was the absolute worst part of the experience. Um, from a perspective of on uh, a keyboard, like I'll use like driving a car, basically you have your WASD control, which is forward, left, right, back, and, and, um, and that's it, pretty much. You don't have much control at all over actual throttle. So I got into a car, and the first thing I did was go off a cliff. Uh, the vehicles are indestructible. I, I honestly rolled down a cliff for a good 300 feet. We were fine and drove off. Um, it was, but 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 the, the car did look like it went through a trash compactor, right? It it did, but I should yeah, have blown so, up so halfway down the road. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic ability to to apply massive damage to your car that looks really good at the slightest touch like if you barely like scrape like a light pole it'll destroy the entire oh, yeah. quarter panel of your car oh yeah <laughs> but yeah. it'll look great i i think um we landed a helicopter which i thought was a decent landing which immediately caused the engine to start bursting smoke everywhere it was it was completely ridiculous so yeah the vehicles are ridiculous they were very very um unintuitive helicopters like you said were off were terrible i I don't know why forward means you have to go straight towards the ground while you're moving forward. It, it was awful. It kind of ha it was like you had to like go forward and then go and then raise your elevation and then kind of do this this saw blade uh, action. It was I, I couldn't get the helicopters to work right. Um, so vehicles were, were terrible. I did not care for that. As for the moment to moment gameplay, um, it, it was not the division, and that's a good thing. Division kind of turned into this. RPG style bullet sponge drop 100 bullets into the sky before he dies sort of thing. Um, in this game, if you shoot someone in the head, they're going to die instantly. Like that's that's pretty much a guarantee. It, it's very easy to one shot uh, pretty much anything in the game. There's some heavier armored enemies, but you you are definitely rewarded for having good aim and, and good fire control and that sort of thing. So if you're looking for kind of a a more realistic tactical experience. Uh, this this does that well. Uh, same for your, your character. Your character is not this walking tank like division where they can take you know 500 shots to the chest and they're fine. Uh, you get shot. You can survive a bit more than the, the the enemy characters can, but still, you you really don't want to be out in the open. It's it's definitely a cover shooter uh, when you are forced to go into open combat. But uh, it, the game does heavily uh, encourage you for stealth. The stealth was done, I think, quite well. The sync shot uh, system was kind of neat, where you can mark multiple targets, and then it kind of lines them up on the side of the screen. And I, I assume, I, I didn't play single player, but I assume that that allows you to get your uh, your AI uh, companions to synchronize like a, like a four-target kill sort of thing. Um, when it's in multiplayer, it basically tells you uh, 
is someone in your team currently aiming at this target? And then if so, the little icon will light up and, and show they are, they're currently targeting. So you can kind of see, is everyone ready? And then you can, you fire and they all fire. And it, it works pretty well. Um, so that, that element was pretty cool. I did like the actual like complexes where you were kind of moving around as a group. Like so the tactical play was done very well. It was kind of fun to like, okay, I'm going to sneak around here and you're going to go up in that tower. You're going to snipe that one guy and I'll take out the guard on the ground, you know, up close. That that kind of happened organically, and that that's always a a, a good sign in my mind that the, the gameplay is um, is well designed for the kind of genre it's pushing for, which is definitely kind of a tactical. Um, you don't have to be stealth, but you're you're kind of rewarded for doing so. But you you can certainly um, survive and do well uh, in more of an in open conflict sort of a, a environment. So I, I like that. That was good. Um, as far as character progression went, that was kind of interesting. Um, you could see kind of the the hints of the division in there, whereas your character kind of has an experience bar that you get levels and that gives you skill points. But if you want to actually level up a skill, there's different resources you can collect around around the world and, the, and you spend those resources plus your skill level to unlock that level of the skill and so it kind of reminded me a bit of division's um home base where you had to do certain missions and then that would unlock resources for the home base and that would give you the ability to um select certain skills within that category and i, I actually kind of liked that that was kind of neat um one thing i did not like however is that in multiplayer when you collect resources it is specifically for you. So if you're in a group of four guys and you find medical supplies, all four people have to go up and hit the button to collect the medical supplies. It's not shared. So, you know, if you've got your sniper guy in the tower who's dealing with things and you find some awesome thing down in some shed, he has to come down there to get it and then go back to go back up to what he was doing. That that was it kind of pulled it out of the game. I didn't really like that. I, I didn't think that it was necessary to make it specific to each each person. So I, I didn't really care for that. Um Performance-wise, uh, the game ran decently well. My computer is, you know, mid to high spec. I ran it on very high, I think, or no, I ran it on high. So there was, you know, minimum, low, medium, high, very high, and ultra. So I was kind of middle of the ground. It, it ran pretty well. There were some graphical glitches um, that were kind of humorous, but nothing game-breaking. So that's that stuff. It's you know fairly reasonable, fixable for for it being a beta. I think that that's stuff they can fix pretty easily. But other than that, the game ran pretty well. Uh, some frame rate drops, but um, that, again, is probably my, my system not being quite up to spec for what I wanted. But, you know, kind of my, my overall is, you know, I, I liked the actual combat. Like, we, once you got to where you wanted to go, um, it was pretty enjoyable. I liked that. I didn't like the act of getting there, though, and this is kind of where I, I start to dislike open-world games, is that it wasn't fun going there because I was fighting with awkward vehicle controls and having to deal with all kinds of stuff that was just a, a pain. I'm like, can I just go play the actual game? Um, and, and that's kind of where it, it, it kind of turned me off a bit. But uh, in terms of the actual like with the meaningful gameplay, it was actually pretty enjoyable. It was it was it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I think you you hit on something there in terms of um, like once you get to the point where you're basically within rifle range of the ability the once you're inside the range that you can start to affect and then maneuver onto an objective or a target. That's actually kind of, that could be kind of fun. And I could totally see, uh, so, you know, like Pokey and I have played uh, quite a few sort of tactical shooter games together. And and I could totally see us getting like a group of our friends together and miking up and really having uh, a good time playing this one because you really have to, um, you know, you, use your brain a little bit. Now, you can't go in guns blazing, but that definitely provides you a different challenge set. And the interesting, and here's so I kind of noted, I made a couple comments about sort of the, the game, like game mechanics in terms of their design choices. So you're right, it is a cover shooter, but there is you don't like lock onto cover. Uh, so most games, like uh, the, probably the best and, and the most classic examples are things like Gears of War, where you would you're by a wall or you're by a you know some incredibly well placed you know waist high object. Uh, that's exactly where you need it, so to speak. And you will sticky to the cover, and it's very obvious visually that you have, quote-unquote, stuck to cover. Um, the game is actually, in a weird way, it's almost, it's much more realistic and, and fluid in how it moves. It doesn't, you don't, like, 
magnetic into cover like you do in uh, in like the division, which can, it, it frankly can be kind of annoying and a bit dangerous, uh, like when you're in PvP. <laughs> so that's it does away with that. So you don't you can't like walk around or run around and just like bunny hop jump and stuff like that. It totally removes your ability to do some of those things that you you are normally associated with in in FPS games. So what they tried to do, I think, is very, as much as they could, put fairly realistic movement restrictions and movement actions on you. So much like, again, the Division has some very fluid ways that you can move, uh, like how you sort of like hop over different different fences, you can climb in and out of things pretty easily. Uh, they do that very well in Ghost Recon. So the movement for the characters it will be a little different and you'll have to get used to it because it is not going to be your classic FPS movement set. Uh, but it gives you a lot of cool options. Uh, and it, it is most definitely a thing that you need to, you need to consider in terms of uh, that minute to minute gameplay. And because the fights can be over really fast, like the mark to me, the mark is if you've done really well and you set this up with your teammates, the fight should be over super fast uh you're not going to get into extended you know seven minute straight firefights like you do like in call of duty it's um definitely going to be probably a little bit different even if you kind of do the guns blazing option now as as wonky as the vehicle controls are it is kind of cool that you can access and you do a lot of different things with them uh so i i will give them credit for trying to get all that in there but definitely uh how it's been how it's been presented in the gameplay itself is is probably leaving something to be lacking um let me see i think it actually has a lot of potential so again if you if you want to play this game with four friends and just have a really good time with it this will work if you want to solo it you just want to play like the campaign mode which you can and there's a pretty it looks like a very deep campaign mode be prepared for some frustrating moments in terms of uh, it. You will be able to do it, but it will quickly lose uh, lose some of its luster. I think. Now, what I have noticed is, or what I can imagine, is the while you're driving around. Here's the interesting thing: is again, as you all pile into a truck or a jeep with a machine gun on top, you know, you're picking where you sit. So, whoever is the best driver in the group of four, he drives put somebody up, you know, let you guys rotate into the gunner seat. And then you can call for a vehicle assault where you, all the characters basically pop out of the windows and doors while the car is moving and you start, you know, guns blazing, you know, basically doing drive-by shootings. So once you get into that kind of stuff, like the vehicular, like Mad Max combat, I could see, I could see it being a little bit more fun. Uh, maybe, although there'd be a lot of cussing at the driver. I can, I'm absolutely confident of that. <laughs> Uh, so generally I think it's, a, I think it's a pretty good stab at it, but definitely caters to, or really designed for multiple players, um, co-op play style. Now, is there PVP in this game, Pokey? Like, I truly don't know. I, I is there any hint that there's going to be some form of a PVP action? Not that I've seen, though the thought did cross my mind that it actually could probably work um, probably much better than the division did just because of the, the time to kill and, and that sort of thing. And the way that the, the actual fights play out, it, it would lead to more, you know, cover-based tactical shooting rather than whatever the hell the division is. So I, I'd actually almost kind of like to see PVP. I don't think it's planned, but I could see them going that route in the future with, with DLC um, for sure. Yeah. I, I, it would have to be fairly, you'd have to really think about how it works in the environment because this, because again, you know, they, they tried to add some level of, uh, you know, realism for lack of a better term in it. So you could absolutely have a scenario where a team of four people walk into a PVP zone and they get sync shotted by, by a group of snipers. And you'd never know that you were engaged until you saw the game over screen. Uh, that, that is an absolute fact in terms of how the game is set up, which is kind of cool because it, you know, the price of failure and the price of not planning can be real steep. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it's got some promise. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I think I'm, I'm not sure if I'm interested enough in buying it yet, to be honest with you. Uh, it's one of those where I'm, I might uh, put this on my, on my to-do list, let it come out, let people play it for a little while and actually do a little research on it 
beyond the beta and see like what tuning that they work on or you know what what the wider impression tends to be before I you know finally pull the trigger on it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat um, in regards to I, I was in I'm, I'm more interested in it than I was initially. Um, I think that uh, it, it avoided a lot of the pitfalls that I disliked about the division. But again, like the division, I it kind of fell apart later on, and I, I do get worried about hopping on something early when the beta may seem impressive, but it does have some issues. And it's like let's let's see if they if they fix the vehicle control, let's see if they fix some of the parts I really didn't like about the beta, um, and see you know further in the line with with some patching because I, I don't expect this stuff to be to be fixed you know by March seventh I think is the release date, um, but it is easily fixable. But still. I want to see them actually do it before I hop on it because some of those things while easy to fix are kind of ruining for the experience. Um, like just like vehicle controls were such a pain in the ass. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that on a daily basis while I'm playing. So maybe wait until they, they, they fix that. I, I did look up, uh, it looks like that they have confirmed PVP for the game, but they haven't talked about it since like they initially mentioned it a while ago. Uh, so it's probably safe to assume it is not going to be in the base game, but I, I do expect since this is, how games are now uh it'll be added in probably as a, a later dlc expansion so uh do expect pvp for this game it's just not likely going to be in the game uh on release sounds good definitely be keeping my eye on, on it and uh i think this may be one we we put on the shelf and revisit uh once we the full game comes out and we convince Zell to buy it and play it for about a week straight and then he can give us his own impressions of it <laughs> I was hoping to get uh, bait on here to talk about the because I think he might try it on Xbox as well. But uh, yeah, it'd be good to get some more opinions and, and hopefully some good reviews come out so we can get a, a more broad idea of how the game actually plays uh, with full release. Because you know how betas are; they they can be misleading. So uh, it'd be good to follow, and, and I'll I'll probably hold off on this one as well and and see how it plays out with future updates and patches and whatnot. All right, so um, I think we're we're kind of pushing over the hour mark here. It might be a little bit shorter with uh, with cutting out the awkward silences. But uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to touch on real quick before we bring this one in for a close? No, I think we've actually uh, had a pretty pretty extended run of topics tonight. Pretty good stuff. Uh, we, we do have some discussion topics that uh, we'll probably cover in, in a couple later episodes. Uh, one that I really do want to do is uh, different types of storytelling in games regarding uh, how a narrative is presented to the player and, and the different styles you see in games and, and kind of get your guys' thoughts on uh, on uh, what, what you prefer and what you've experienced and what you think is works. But that's that's a pretty in-depth conversation. I'd actually like to get bait in for that one because uh, he's a younger guy and I'm always interested to get his perspective um, with the kinds of games he grew up compared to the kinds of games I grew up compared to the kind of games you grew up with. So um, you do see some, some pretty varying opinions. So maybe next week when we get bait back on the show, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that topic. I think it's a, be a pretty interesting one. Uh, but yeah, so that being said, I think we're probably good to go into shout outs here. So uh, start the list with Zell. Shout outs, man. No, no, no. Are, are you going to buy the star citizenship? You've I'm not. It. I, I no. I'm not going to buy this one. It's you know I I have a preference for uh, Aegis uh, starships, and this is an anvil. And uh, I have other ships that are are better than it. And and I really have no pressing desire for this one. It, you know, it has kind of a cool wingtip thing going on, but it's it's not uh, not that appealing to me. How many starships do you have, Zell? Several. <laughs> is it a double digit number uh technically yeah i think it would be okay my wallet, <laughs> the wallet. Keep, keep in mind he's he's part of the uh what, what's the, the special status you have the what's it called uh concierge it means i've spent at least a thousand dollars on the game <sighs> well so we know that number of ships is pretty high hey so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to Google this, but there's like a one eight hundred number. I need you to call Zell. Just they'll they'll give you some help. Start citizen hotline. <laughs> All right. I so, just so, got I just got a raise, man. I'm doing fine. Oh man, so so, so, <laughs> so, so Zell Zell shout out is to his pile of ships that he'll probably never actually fly. Uh, I, I am I am going to enjoy my pile of ships greatly. Okay. 
All right, I already Jay. do. I can already fly most of them. Well, but until they you know, crash the server or something like that. I've, I've got to give you shit, man. I'm sorry. I just I got to do it. I know. All right. I'm, you know, the thing is, though, is I'll be honest. I think that, you know, like games like Hellion, which really have a lot of the, the same sort of value um, and, and expectations that Star Citizen is pushing for realism in space sims, um, I, I think a big part of it is Star Citizen is pushing those games to exist. Um, so, you know, I've, I've never had any, you know, any delusion about the fact that, uh, you know, this could crash and burn. Um, and of course that it will disappoint, uh, a lot of people for various features that they wanted that were promised that they wouldn't get. But, uh, I feel like the project in itself is, uh, pushing the, the genre to get better. And, uh, that's worth it to me. I mean, that's, that's pretty fair. You'll often see companies that come up with the idea don't necessarily do it the best, but they, they in- inspire someone else to do it better. Uh, and that would actually probably be a pretty good topic, I think, maybe to cover various games um, that have kind of maybe not been the best games, but they certainly inspired um, other genres or other types of games that, that did it very well. And that might be a good topic we can cover later week. Uh, but yeah, so Zell's, Zell's shout out is to his pile of ships. So, uh, Jay, shout outs, man. Uh, it's really hard to uh, really hard to follow that up, <laughs> but uh, no, actually, I the only shout out I'd probably uh, throw out is to uh, Bill Paxton. Uh, we talked about him earlier in the show. Again, I, I encourage folks to IMDb or Wikipedia Bill Paxton and see how many movies that you think he's been in that you've seen, which I suspect for the audience folks on the show a whole lot. Uh, other than that, that's about it, man. All right, and for me, hmm, that's a good one. Let me think. You know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to to the the devs over at the Ghost Recon Wildlands uh, studio they're working on there. Um, I, I have to say that that while they didn't convince me to to pick up their game after Division, my expectations were extremely low, and they definitely raised them. Uh, so you know, definitely props for that because that's a that's a pretty <laughs> It's a, it's a pretty big step to, to go from, from where we were at. So uh, props to them for that. But yeah, so that's that's my shout out. Uh, again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, again, if you have any topics you want us to cover, any discussion or any news you happen to find that we might have missed or, or might miss, uh, let us know. Uh, the best way to reach us is probably through email, but you can also get us on Twitter. Uh, and again, if you want to be on the show, do feel free to let us know. We'd more than happy to have you. We, we haven't had guests in, in a while. Uh, as things have been a little slow from probably a lot of the, the, the topics you guys are, are mostly interested in, which is you know, CCP-related games. But uh, uh, again, if it's if it's you know anything in particular, if you want to come in and talk about a new game you like or uh, a topic you're interested in, just let us know. We'll be happy to bring you in. So uh, that being said, thank you for tuning in and have a safe night.